Welcome to the You Got This podcast, featuring authors Donnie and Sandy. We invite you to settle in, open your hearts and minds, and be inspired to trust and present hope in the Lord. When you allow Him to lead the way, you got this. Hey guys, welcome back to another great episode of You Got This. We are your hosts, Sandy and Donnie from Your New Life Ministries, and as promised, we have a special guest on with us today, Timothy Lott, who is... Uh, Sandra and Lot's son, and he has an amazing, amazing testimony he would like to share with us right now. So please, Tim, uh, introduce yourself and tell us your story. My name is Timothy Lot. I'm 40 years old, was uh, born in 81. I spent um, uh, up to sixth grade in, in, um, in South Carolina. Uh, in school out in Gaston and Swansea and went to Texas after that about halfway through the uh my sixth grade year uh and spent the rest of the time um in Bastrop I uh, moved back uh, at the last year to um of high school to Swansea where I graduated back in South Carolina so I did a little bit of moving around had family in both places a family in Texas and family in South Carolina uh but in I grew up, me and my brother, We, my mom took us to, you know, our little Christian fellowship church in Gaston. We grew up, you know, with the, uh, learning all about Jesus. And to, to me, it was, it was, um, I was never, I don't remember him not being in my life, uh, not as far as the religion, religious side of it was concerned, but um, I didn't meet him. He wasn't brought to life. I guess we call it born again. Um. I was brought to life. Uh, it wasn't brought to life in me until I uh, met him and was touched by him on February 8th in 2004. I had been going to West Columbia Church of God in Columbia, South Carolina for a little while with my mom. The pastor there was Bishop Joe Grice, and he was pretty good. And I was interested in the sermons, and I got I got some stuff from him. Because, like I said, I grew up. Um, in church and, and Sunday schools and, and learning, learning about Jesus. But what kept me coming there was the um, worship leader, you know, Pastor Jay Johnson. He was a really good worship leader, choir director. And he also was um, in music class. Um, I don't know how they say it in high school, but he, he led taught choir in high school at Swansea. And, but on top of that, he was undeniably anointed, just like the pastor. And they were they were a good team. They obviously were both called by the Lord. And and I came at the right time and that service where the congregation was just in sync with them and the Holy Spirit was active. It was a revival there. It was it was obvious afterwards, years later, as I look upon it, because of how the Lord called me in it. Um what really kept me coming to that church was the worship music and the love I felt through their songs and how they worshiped the Lord in it. Mm-hmm. Jesus so, loved me, was drawing me in and I saw it more and more as the choir and congregation sang. So um, tell the audience a little bit um, about why you needed to feel that love so much, What, why it was drawing you in. Well, I was, your background. I, I, I grew up with a brother, you know, but I, I always felt 
No, I got picked on when I was a kid. I, you know, I had glasses. I had wild, crazy red hair, and I just I was always excited and rambunctious. But I, I got picked on, and and uh, there came a point on one day on the bus or in, in school where kids were picking on me, and it, it made me cry, and I vowed never cry again. And, and from that point on, I guess something got locked away in me. I just started hearing those bad whispers that everybody hears, and but I started giving them life because I believed them. I believed the lies that the enemy was telling me. And it, it, I grew up alienating myself from my family where I didn't trust anybody. And uh, I didn't think anybody wanted me around. And every, I felt like everything everybody said was pointed directly at me to hurt me and to pick on me. And everybody, I didn't feel comfortable around my family and certainly didn't feel comfortable at school. Now, so, did that affect your like brother nobody, the same way? Did it affect you and your brother's relationship, that torment? No, actually, no. He was the one person that was there. Like, mm -hmm. like Jesus is supposed to be closer than a brother. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like now, looking back, that I had Gerald, right, for as long as I did, until I was 18 and left him to go to college, whereupon mm -hmm. two months later he died. Uh, uh, I feel like he was the reason that my relationship with him, he would, that was the reason why he was here. It's so I can know what that means to have so a you brother. And him were close. Yeah, we were really close. Mm -hmm. And the only person that is closer is Jesus now. Mm -hmm. And after a long walk with him, he, when he says he sticks closer to our brother, me and my brother were really close. I didn't know how it was possible for anybody to be closer, but Jesus is closer than a brother. Okay. Um, also, because um, I know what effect it did to me, um, I can talk now and I, I share back in my testimony uh, to people and I can share it without bitterness. Uh, but we lived uh, in a family home with someone who, you know, who was troubled and let some of the, you know, the enemy's temptations take over. And as a result, we suffered. Um, and it was because of, you know, the alcoholism and the drug addiction. Uh, it affected me. But tell everybody how it affected you. Because there's so many people out there that's dealing with the same thing in the same type of family situation. Well, uh, and this was long before I met the Lord. Uh, so um, is that, uh, February 2004, I was like 22, 23 years old. And uh, this, we, were, we had to do this growing up. From about the time that uh, right where we went to Texas, uh, about sixth grade, but um, he he's it, the anger was the first thing to show up because uh, he he knew he was he was a good man and he he grew up doing what the right thing, but he the enemy I don't know why he, he just didn't whether he didn't trust the Lord or, or he wasn't all that religious or he just didn't have a chance to, I don't know what the deal was, but for some reason he chose to turn to drugs and alcohol instead of the Lord for the things that bothered him in his past, like his brother dying in almost the same manner that my brother died with the same age difference and with the same closeness. They depended on each other, like me and my brother depended on each other. And his dad issues. Yes, exactly. And so uh, it, all the anger and resentment he felt started coming out as he felt guilty because he loved us dearly. He loved me, my brother, my mom dearly, but he was, he held himself up to certain standards that he couldn't meet. It's 
what my opinion was and it caused him to be angry and i don't think he was really happy about him doing drugs or alcohol either and and it, it all that angerness was directed outward at us and he didn't know how to deal with it the right way and uh we learned to be afraid we were, learned to walk on eggshells and he didn't hit us or nothing but to be honest that that might not have been better but it it, it the, the verbal abuse was just as bad, even worse, because there was that little point inside where you take all that verbal abuse, you start to think that everything you do is wrong, even if it's right. You start questioning every single thought you have, every single feeling you have. Like if we had a smile on our face, you'd wonder why we're so happy. If we were angry, we were getting trouble for it. We couldn't be sad because uh, we didn't feel comfortable uh, letting him know that we were sad because we were afraid we had to hide ourselves hide our feelings and become invisible i felt the same way i felt the same way i felt like i didn't have a voice and anytime i would voice my opinion um i would start a fight and so i felt like i didn't have i didn't deserve the right to be happy or to have a voice and the Lord has given me my voice 30 times over in all the books that I've written. And so now he's given you that voice right now and sharing your testimony that millions of people all over the world listening to this is going to be able to hear and be helped by that. So you had all those emotions built up inside of you. And so um, I remember you telling me that um, I think that they created wrong perceptions in you. Well, that was because before the trouble with uh, the fear started setting into our family and uh, the a feeling of imprisonment, uh, I had already been alienated by the enemy uh, uh, by being picked on as a kid and uh, not telling my parents about it because it, it started happening about the same time. So I didn't know anything enough to talk about stuff then. And then uh, when I felt like everybody was against me, there's no way when I started having those troubles with fear and, and being, you know, with the enemy attacking through my dad and, and the alcoholism and the drug abuse, real spiritual attacks that I had nobody to turn to because I couldn't trust anybody. As far as I was concerned, uh, uh, mostly wrongly concerned, uh, there were, uh, everybody was against me. Everything they said and did was was pointed at me to hurt me even even the times that i would be drowning i've come close to, to dying a few times and drowning just by accidents you know swimming and carrying on or get a charlie horse in my legs in the middle of a river and going under because you know you never had a charlie horse it hurts and the only way to let go of the charlie horses to take the pain in well it just so happened the current was strong enough to rip me off my feet whenever i did that but I, I remember looking up and even in, when I'm drowning in a pool, the kid just playing around, not even knowing what he's doing, but he's drowning me. And a church counselor looking at me and getting mad at me for when I could finally catch my breath. And I look up to her and ask for help. She tells me to shut up. That's a church counselor standing right in front of me. And when I when I'm in that river drowning. and being swept away and I can finally get break my head above the water. I look up to the side ask for help people are staring at me and pointing 
And I, that, all that did was reinforce. Now, was that really happening the way it was? Well, I was trying. So maybe I didn't see it right. But that's not the point. The point is that the enemy can make you see whenever you have doubt and fears like that. He can twist your actual sight and your sound to where you hear things and see things and <laughs> interpret them the wrong way. Our truth is not necessarily the real truth. That's why Jesus says we need to come to him admitting that we're a sinner. What that means is we need to come to admitting that we can be wrong. That right. it is possible for us to not be right. And right. that takes humility to do that. And, you know, when your perceptions are wrong, so is your talk and so is your walk. Your actions. Exactly. That you so do. it's not about condemnation at all. It's about we're in school and we're doing a math problem and we might not have got it right. It is not about us being punished. It's about us admitting that the, 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 the problem that we did and completed the solution that we got to it is wrong and asking the teacher how to do it right. That's all this is. That's all sin is supposed to point us to is the, the law helps Set the rules. The sin is the problem. We have to figure out the problem. Well, how do we find a solution to the problem? We go to the teacher and ask him, what, how do we fix the problem? And he does that. He gives us the answer. Well, what do you think your turnaround was? When do you think you saw the light and helped you turn your life around? Well, the beginning of that was uh, that day um, on, that, on that Sunday morning after service. I got into the car in church. Mm -hmm. parking lot waiting for my mom to get in because the service generally runs over after 12 noon and people you know talk and and, and you know would pray with each other give news or, or you know well wishes for the upcoming week but during that time i started talking to the lord while i was in the car waiting for maybe even had the radio on the car started already with the air conditioner um um and, and uh and uh i started talking to him and because of the love that that I've been slowly feeling, it's slowly building up. It started working against my thought that everybody uh, is not to be trusted. That there is one person that I could trust. I started trusting that he, because of that worship music and because of the way the people act in that church, I and because of, I guess because of Jesus, he's backing that up, and I could. I started believing that he did love me, and because of that. I was so grateful that I told him, I know that you don't want me smoking cigarettes and I know you don't want me smoking crack. So I'm going to stop doing them for you. But he didn't, he didn't come to me demanding it. He didn't ask me about it. I just, because he loved me first, I wanted to do something to show him that I loved him. And so I wanted to thank him before. Cause I, I've never been loved. I've never known that a kind of unconditional love before or that acceptance. Mm -hmm. and so could, I wanted to bring it back what advice would you give the people that are drowning right now so to speak what advice would you give them to help them see the light that like me there's probably nobody that they think they can trust and nobody that they think they, that understands their problems and nobody's gone through the stuff that they've gone through nobody could possibly understand well you know what? They're right. Nobody can help them except one person. And the only reason why we know that 
is because he did everything right according to the law. And it's not a guess. It's not faith. It's not belief. It's not hope. It's fact. Jesus was a person, a man who lived 2000 years ago back in back in Israel. He is attested by his enemies, the same people that killed him, that he did nothing wrong according to the Judaic law. And yet he still suffered that Roman traitor's death on a cross. And yet it is still fact also recorded by by Roman historians and uh, the Jewish historians who didn't believe that he was the Messiah. It's still recorded that three days later he rose from the dead. That's a historical fact not written by Christians, written by secular people. It's historical fact that the dead were in Jerusalem were raised from the tombs, scaring everybody on that same day, that 30 days later, when Jesus rose from the day grave, they, they were the dead were raised with him. That's historical fact. And also that he was seen, recorded, and these wit witnesses and their grandchildren, the children were, were, were uh, the testimonies were taken from them from by Josephus, the, Roman, the Jewish historian later, uh, years, I think like 30 years later, whatever after that, uh, 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 were by a Roman historian, uh, the, the witness accounts uh, of the people, thousands, of, uh, like three to 5,000 people saw him for like 40 days after he rose from the dead, before he ascended into heaven. That's all fact. So yeah. we have one person who beat death in history. One person that's recorded that beat death and did it. He, what we want, we want eternity. So we do what he says. And what does he say? Listen to the law. Read the law. Pay attention to the law. He's talking about the Judaic law, the, like the, the Pentateuch, the, the books of Deuteronomy. What they wrote, the prophets, what they wrote, and the Psalms. So that's what we do. And in well, there, we have all those witness accounts that he is the one person who knows and that we can trust because he didn't have to die. He didn't even defend himself. He kept his mouth shut. So if there's one person on the planet in all of the past, present, and future that we can trust that is not against us, it's a fact that it's Jesus. Yeah. Well, um, you mentioned that this was the best worst day. And so we have to take a break. And when we come back, Tim, uh, Timothy Lai, he is going to finish his testimony. So we will be right back. Hey, we're back. Uh, and uh, we're still continuing our conversation with Timothy Lai, Cassandra Lai's son. And he was uh, in the middle of describing what his God moment was. So we'll let him continue on with this discussion. Yes. And, and particularly the moment you said this was the best and worst day of your life. What did you mean by that? Well, from that moment on, he um, when I did that, he told me um, either it was right before you got back into the car or when you got back into the car, uh, whatever. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was before you got back into the car because I told you afterwards. Uh, remember this day. It's going to be the first day of the rest of your life. That's probably why I was able to remember exactly the, the date and time because my memories are not all that great. It, but uh, it was between 1230 and one o'clock. And uh, I remember very, very clearly. You know, he said, remember this day. It's going to be the first day of the rest of your life. He also said something else. Hang on. 
Like you gave me the impression that a, of a of a dentist telling you, look, I gave you all the anesthesia I can or the anesthetic I can, and uh, uh, but your root's too deep. Hang on. This is going to hurt. That's kind of the impression I got from the Lord when he said, hang on. So he, he told me from the beginning that it was going to be a rough road. Well, from that day forward, it was never the same. And uh, I, had, I was on top of the world. But you don't stay on the mountaintops forever. Uh, that's why it says there's a valley of shadow of death. You got to go back down into the valley. You got to go to real life. Because when you're up there and you're with the Lord and you have his Holy Spirit in you and you're at church praising him and you're on top of that holy hill, it's great. But then you got to come back to reality. And uh, and it's it's a big drop because he's amazing. And if whenever you meet him and, and everybody will, all who's listened to this will. And you uh, had quite a few um, years between that moment and now where you've had, it's been continually up and down. Uh, can you talk about that and what that entailed? Yeah. Well, Steve, even though the, the, in the weeks afterwards, it was, it was awesome. I was on top of the world. And when you meet the Lord, I opened my heart to him. Well, you can't open your heart part way and let in the God of the universe. You got to open it up. And you, everybody knows what's there. Even though they try to forget about it, all the pain that they went through before they met the Lord and they didn't deal with things the right way. All the, the guilt and shame from things that they may or may not have done or at least been blamed for doing. All the trauma that's happened in their lives, all the people that have hurt them in their lives, all the people that have died in their lives that they gave their heart to. And it was ripped from them well before that time, it feels like that you didn't feel like you had near enough. Like you just got your baby. You just got your son, your daughter. You just married your wife and they're taken from you. You didn't get to spend the time that you needed to with your parents. You just made up with them and they were killed and taken from you. Whatever the case may be, there's a lot of pain. Uh, growing up that I dealt with I told you some about that already that I never dealt with I, when I was a kid in elementary school I locked that part of me away I'd never cry again I didn't deal with anything I couldn't because I didn't trust anybody enough to talk to them and tell them about it so all that came out when I opened my heart and let him in all that had to I, had, I gave that to him too and it got let out and I didn't know what was going on i did i i did always all that pain i didn't know where that was coming from i thought i had done something wrong i thought i was being punished i would get out i'd be driving down the dirt road in my truck and and in the middle of the rain at night and bury my face in a muddy ditch underneath the water trying to get down low enough to prostrate myself begging him to stop it was like one long panic attack fighting for my life for three years and ended up with me taking a stand, saying, Lord, I know this ain't right. I don't know what's going on. And I, I couldn't tell anybody about it. Nobody could help me. It was just Jesus. And I took three bottles, 97 sleeping pills. I lost one pill and I dropped the other one, or else it have been 99. But I'd treat them up with M&Ms because I didn't have any water. I wanted to make sure. I drove out in the middle of nowhere, got, almost got stuck in the sand pit and chewed them up with some M&Ms to make sure I swallowed all them sleeping pills because I knew that all I couldn't take all that, that I didn't know what was going on. And 
I didn't know how to deal with it, all that pain. And I was doing my best to obey him and, and stay away from the, I was, I, I would stay away from drugs. I would stay away from alcohol. I wasn't doing anything. I was trying to do the right thing. And all that pain, all that suffering that I had to endure before I met him, it was way more than I can handle. And I took it out and sleeping pills. But before I died, uh, the Lord, I was talking to the Lord and I, he asked me, I was talking to him and said, well, Lord, uh, I know this is wrong, but I don't have any other choice. I don't, I, I can't do this anymore. I mean, I mean he's, but I, I said, I know it's not right to commit suicide. He said, well, he asked me, are you going to live? Uh, uh, are you going to, am I not going to die? It's like, I had a choice. Uh, well, I told him, all right. I mean, I took all these sleeping pills. I couldn't even move anymore because I'd lost all the strength and energy was leaving my body. I was hanging half out the car with my, my feet and knees on the ground and my body upper torso in the driver's seat. And just trying to crawl back, climb back in. I couldn't do it. And uh, he said, are you going to live? And I said, yes. Right then I was cleaned. I got all my energy back. I was, it was like I had a clear mind. It was, he got rid of all the, uh, all the, the, the sleep appeals and the effects of it and everything. Um, it's, it's rough trying to deal with that, all that pain, emotion and stuff by yourself. When you're a new believer in Christ, know that it's done. You're good. He's got you. Well, nobody's that, perfect. How would you say that God has changed your life now from where you were? Well, for one, he's walked with me long enough through all that. And, and with that same joy that he put in Jesus, that he, Jesus followed. And, and uh, even to the point of death on the cross, he followed, obeyed God's will. He walked with me through that same way, that ball of light. I, and he's helped me to understand what that ball of light is. But um, he's taught, showed me what, what happened. He showed me how to deal with it. He's walked with me through every trial and ordeal I've gone through. And, but it wasn't until I went to CJC that all of the, the, the 18 years that I walked with him and trying to do the good Christian thing, even after I was born again and still failing, still going back to drugs. It wasn't until I went to CJC, uh, a, a jail in Colorado Springs, that everything finally clicked into place. Yes, he taught me. You had he, like 15 he, years, I believe. It's been a long time off and on and back and forth where, you know, the enemy had just was taken over and feeding you those lies that you were, you know, living on the streets and you were back doing drugs and alcohol. But I know it was just to hide all that pain because you didn't know how to deal with it. Well, you see, all I had was him as a friend. See, that love that, that drew me in to begin with, it never left me. He never left me. So he was still that ball of light, always there willing to be a shoulder to cry on, here, being here for me to listen to. He was always providing me strength. He was all, even though I was dealing with this alone, because like I said, I couldn't trust anybody and nobody knew what they were talking about anyway. Well, that was just a wrong, no life in the enemy. It stopped my ears up so I wouldn't hear it. But, uh, I, 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 he still was there with me as I'm going through all this, but I didn't start understanding until uh, start connecting the dots about what the faith is, what the flesh is, what grace is, until I went to, to CJC.
was your defining moment in there? When I was thinking about something that that my uh, my wife to be said, Gina, uh, she was talking about grace and about forgiveness and about it not depending on anything that we do. And it was it was the Lord certain pointing at her what he, she said, and then he gave me a book to read, uh, Brendan Manning, Ragamuffin Gospel was talking about the same exact thing that she said. And I started reading that book and started realizing that that his grace, that it, it's not something that we did anything to earn. And so we can't do anything to lose it. Now he, you got a baby girl us. now, don't you? Yeah. How old is she and what's her name? Her name is Iva. She's uh, three months old. Uh, coming up next week, three months old, I have a faith. The name means God is gracious. That is amazing. So your your story is almost like this one uh, inspirational movie called Homeless to Harvard. She, this girl was homeless on the streets because her family was just a nightmare. And she changed her life around with God's help. And now, Timmy, you have went from rags to riches. Your spirit is rich and God has been blessing you with one thing after another. And while you were in CJT, you told me that it's like you just came to life. That, you know, most people think that's the worst thing that could ever happen to them by being in jail. But you said it was actually the best thing that's ever happened. Well, that's because he started connecting all this religious jargon all that we keep hearing about, like the flesh and stuff and, and faith and doubts and relating it directly to me i could i started connecting the dots or he started connecting the dots for me i learned that my feelings you know even though in church they would be high and i would be, think there was god also had those same source uh where those feelings come from also be uh tell me bad stuff and and, and lies and temptations would come in i had to learn and he connected to me that that the flesh is that's what that's where those feelings go. The, the, the flesh is my mind and my will and my emotions. That's why he said my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. That's why we look out. That's why the Holy Spirit that's within us that is married and joined to our spirit never points to himself. He always points to scriptures and Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. He points um, up. So we have millions of listeners, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have families, who have brothers and sisters and husbands and wives and friends who probably have gone through or going through or know someone who's going through the same stuff that you've been through and had the same emotions that no one understands, no one gets it. Oh, and this God stuff is stupid. Okay. Um, what would be your advice to them? Because, you know, it's hard to be in that moment to humble yourself and say, well, let me just be open to it. Because it's like trying to plant apple seeds and expecting an orange tree to grow. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If it's not worked yet, it's not going to work. So what would your advice to them be? Well, first of all, they would need to know that you don't go and get saved by saying, Jesus saved me and give me life. And uh, and everything's all great again. And then you make yourself start obeying him. You don't do that. OK, 
what happens is you say, Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry. I know that your way is the right way. You did everything right. And I'm messing up. I don't really know how to do this. And it's all wrong. And I'm doing this or that. And I don't really want to stop. I, I like being angry. Oh, I like beating women or I like killing people or whatever. But you tell him that because he doesn't condemn you for that anyway. So whether you are doing drugs or doing some what humans call really heinous evil, wrong is still wrong and it's still death. It's still going to kill you. It's not God that's going to kill you. It's the wrong way of completing the math problem that's going to kill you. Okay. So my advice is to realize that he loves you anyway. He forgives you anyway. So since it doesn't, him loving you, does it depend on what you do? You And he's not going to be pointing the finger at you all the time. You might as well just accept his friendship and talk to him because that's the first thing you got to do is talk to him. And he could so take care of all the rest. Yeah. So if you know that you at least have one friend in all the earth, even if all the police want to kill you and all the people want to turn your back on you and all your family never want to see you again, you at least have one friend who will never, ever do that to you. Any of those things to you. You have one friend who will always be on your side, who will always lift you up. That and is that amazing. kind of love, that kind of love makes you want to do something to pay him back. That is amazing. We get forgiven first. And because of our gratitude and our, our love for him, because he first loved us, it causes us to want to repent, meaning change your mind. Repent doesn't mean not saying I'm sorry, because sometimes we ain't. Sometimes I ain't. But repenting is admitting that my way is the wrong way of thinking or wrong way of feeling or my way is the wrong way of naturally reacting to the situation. And I don't want to think about uh doing it wrong anymore because it ain't working for me i want to choose your way because i trust you you did it right and you got crowned and given supreme authority over all of heaven and earth and everything under the earth so you did it right i want to learn how to do it right too because i believe you when you say you can make me do it right because you right. said i will give you my spirit and cause you to walk in my way so how are you going to cause me to walk in my your ways that is awesome well, we got to get wrapped. Well, um, the, first, the first step is to open the door and take the first step and let him in. That's the first step. And so once you do that, before we close, tell the people the next step that you have to do every day. Because if you don't eat food every day, your body is going to get sick. And so you need your spiritual food every day to keep your spirit strong. Without that, Satan's going to take over. So tell the people what the next step is to keep yourself spiritually strong. You got to watch your own back. You, we know that we we get hungry. And so in, in order to get food, we have to go to the grocery store and get it. Or we have to go to the refrigerator door and get it. We have to go get it. I mean, we, we got to do something. Don't come to the Lord empty hand. At least try to serve something. But he's going to, when you talk to him, he's going to talk to you. And you're going to know that. It, it, at least in the moment, you may feel kind of down later and, and like, oh, what was I doing? I, that wasn't really him. Well, you know what? Because you remember uh, how you felt and you might get slightly embarrassed of it. That's how you know that it was him because it wasn't you. 
That's why you get a little embarrassed about talking to it and what you praising Jesus in church. And then when you get home, you feel kind of down about it, embarrassed about it. That's because you went up to this girl that you really liked and she said yes. And then later you're like, wow, I can't believe she said yes. And I feel embarrassed about it. That's evidence. When When you have doubts and fears, they wouldn't come if you didn't care. They wouldn't come based on something that doesn't exist. The doubts and the fears alone are like faith is the evidence of things hoped for. You know what? Doubts and fears are the evidence of the good news, too, because they would not need to come if good news wasn't real. Right. That's right. So you have to go, like he said, to the grocery store. You have to read the Bible and you have to talk to him and you don't have to say a bunch of fancy words. Because he's your friend, so he already knows you. And the Bible says in Psalm 139, such a great chapter to read. He he knows what you're going to say before you say it. So you don't have to put on airs with God. Just be open. Be who you are. If you're angry, be angry because he can deal with that. That's getting it out in the open with him. So just read the word. That's talking to him. He's a written word, living word, and spoken word. And just spend time with him. You know, spend time with him in prayer. Spend time with him reading the word, but just talk to him all through the day. You can talk to him because he's there and he's listening. And he will, if he will, um, if you don't read the Bible and you don't go to church, he will still have that relationship with you. He will still teach you in the TV shows that you watch and the uh, the books that you read and uh, the the things that the that you do with people or with family members and friends, you will still see him. You, as you have a relationship with him, he is living and active. Okay. He will be with you and teach you. But the only flip side to that is you're going to have a road like I did. That's going to take 18 years and it's going to be long and hard. And you're not going to have the kind of support system that you would, if you would put surround yourself with things that help you. Now, just because a plant is planted in rocky soil and it's sturdy enough to grow there, that doesn't mean it's going to do as well there as it will as if it's planted in good soil with plenty of water and and get sunlight. Yet it still has a little bit of shade from the intense heat. Right. So that that, staying in a good church group support group helps with that. He gives you desires of your heart. Delight yourself in him and he will give you desire to read he will give you the desire to write your journal out to him write your prayers out to him he will give you the desires so don't kill yourself if you don't have that yet if you don't want to because i didn't for a long time for years i'm talking about 10 years but i still walk with him i still try my best with him the only flip side was because i was isolated i was more prone to attacks from the enemy and my own attacks because i am my own enemy too uh, I have more doubts and fears than even the enemy needs to even throw at me. I can, I'm pretty creative. I can condemn myself all the way to hell and back again. But that wouldn't have happened as much if I put my trust in him and in the Jesus that's in people too. Because right. whenever you don't trust people, that's still not trusting him too. Even though they're going to hurt you, you're not putting your trust in them for, for their sakes. You're putting your trust in them for the sake of the Jesus that's in every one of us. And then you never know when one of them might be a divine appointment that just has that word that God wants to use their voice because we're God's voice, we're his feet, we're his hands, and we're his heart to the people who need it. Well, Timmy, you have been a living miracle, a walking testimony.
you name it, you've been through it, you've been lost, you've been through loss, you've been through heartache, you've been trying to commit suicide, you, you've been, you know, live walking on the streets, living on the streets, and that's what Jesus did, and, and you were in jail, and you, God has totally turned your life around. Not just and that. One blessing been, after another. Not just that, but I've been alone my entire life, never in a relationship. Because uh, like I said, I, everybody was my enemy. So how can I even go up to a girl and, and go out on a date? Never, I've never been on a date, never had that first kiss. Never. It was not possible because I didn't know myself. And, and uh, I was still learning about Jesus. And I alienated everybody else, including my family, and never had any friends but my brother who died when I was 18. So I never had anybody. I never, I, I, I thought it was impossible for me for, to have the love of a woman. Well, you have, you know, you have a whole family now. Yeah, now, now because of him, I have that. You have not only your dad in heaven, but you have your real dad back. He may still yeah. have some issues that he needs to still go to the Lord with. Y'all have a relationship again, and my you uncles, have a stepdad. So you have three dads, and you have the rest of that family back in South Carolina, yeah. and a wife, and a daughter, and her two. You have two stepdaughters, and two grandkids, all rolled up into one. Thought you were alone, but now you are not alone. And Your life has impossible. been. Your life and has been what, I call, what yeah. I call this testimony is rising from the ashes because that's what this season is about. You've been from hell and back. And not only that, but he gave me my family, the woman that I loved, mm -hmm. my daughter. And that was in the midst of me being condemned for 60 plus years in prison for the rest of my natural life. I was already 40 years old. When all this happened, I was 40 years old whenever I met, whenever I was 38, when I first met her. And uh, I was I was supposed to be going to prison. And you know what? They say the battle is the Lord's. I didn't defend myself. But there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No, he set not. me free. He delivered me, literally. The same way he delivered the, the Israelites from captivity, he delivered me from captivity, literally, the same way. And he even marked it the same way he marked it with the Israelites with the Passover. He initiated that. He even set up the requirements. He even gave me the unleavened bread. That, he taught me about what it means. And I didn't even know he, why he was teaching me that first. In Leviticus about the burnt offering and grain offering. And then he set a book in front of my path by Joseph Prince talking about communion. And I looked in the communion. I saw that uh, the Jesus, I recognized that Jesus is our burnt and grain offering. And so it, it gave whole new meaning to what a communion is. The communion is the recognition that, of his death and his resurrection, that he was our offering. And so when we uh, uh, remember that, and not just take part in the food, but we take part in the food for the purpose of proclaiming that we testify that he, that is the right way to take communion, by the way. Is to in the reckon it's not about oh I need forgiven first and to get set myself right with the Lord and then take communion. No, you get right simply. You don't have to address your sins, it's not about that. All of them are forgiven by simply proclaiming that he died and rose from the dead and you believe it.
by taking that communion in memory of that event that happened, you are forgiven. You are you are set free. You and you are able to take part in that healing. That's what the communion is. And on earth as it is in heaven, just as that it's an earthly communion with bread and water and wine or apple juice, whatever you take. There is a holy communion that goes on our spiritual level in the spiritual realm. Is when you read the word of God and you have and you are te- being taught what it means. And then when the trial comes, you choose to apply that word that you learned in the trial. And even though you have doubt and fear, you choose to trust in the, what the scriptures say anyway, and that your actions reflect what the scriptures say instead of giving way to doubt and fear and doubting that you doubt that your wife is uh, and being faithful to you, that you think she's cheating on you. Instead, you trust and her and him anyway, and you don't listen to those doubts and fears. And that is what the Holy Communion is, because you're applying the bread, the manna from heaven, which is Jesus, the scriptures, and you're applying it to an event in your life. That gives you, like the Israelites took plunder from the enemy, the gold, whatever, and for the building of the temple, that is plunder from the enemy. Then you get to have that word bound to you and your spirit making you spiritually stronger so that the next attacker comes, you're ready for it. And it doesn't hurt as much. And you don't fear as much. You don't doubt as much. That is your temple. Your spirit is the temple for the Lord's spirit. And so whenever you endure these trials and tribulations by implying what you read about, what he taught you, that is the bread and the wine. That's the Holy Communion. That is that, awesome. That is amazing. Uh, but we got going. Cl- we're going to close out here. And uh, uh, listeners, you have been listening to Timothy Lot, Sandra Lot's son, and he just gave us a hell of a testimony. A hell of a testimony. He survived what one what was much more, much less, not much less than a war, a bloody war. He survived it. eighteen years. I think it was right, honey. Um, it was yeah. a long time, anyway. But. Uh, it, he survived the war like you wouldn't believe. But the, we're going to ask Timmy if we, he would mind praying and closing closing us out in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the body of Christ. Whether they be asleep in the ground or present today or yet to be born, give us the body of the present eternal body of Christ, our daily bread, what we need today. And forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one, and from the schemes and the weapons formed against us. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lord, we need you. And especially when we don't know we need you, we need you even more. Thank you that you are faithful and true to make sure that you go and get those sheep that are led astray and don't even know that we're lost. All of us who are hurting and don't understand what's going on, Lord, I know and you showed me that you are able to meet us where we're at and stay with us no matter what. And you don't ever leave us. As a matter of fact, no matter how ignorant and alone I felt, you helped me to learn. Just because I closed myself off and I didn't learn the basic stuff that people learn when they're in high school, you teach me those things. Even the smallest things, you teach me. 
And because you teach me, they are so amazing. I want you to teach each, let every one of these people know who are listening what it is like to learn from you. Because you give such life to even the simplest things. And may not seem that big afterwards, but it's, it's amazing to those of us who are being saved. It's the power of God. And let these people hear your voice and know who you are and see you in their lives and connect what they read in the Bible. Help them have the understanding of what it means to them personally. And let them know, first of all, that you are their friend. That they didn't do anything to earn your grace, so they can't do anything to lose it. You already paid for them. And the fact that you actually bought them, you paid for it, means that you want them. You, you want us. We need to know that. Every husband wants to be wanted by his wife. Every wife wants to be wanted by her husband. Every father wants to look at a son and see them look up and want them to say, hey, daddy, give me a hug. We want our fathers and our mothers to say that same to us. Well, you want us. And you're not going to let anything separate us from that. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor anything creative. Nothing will be able to separate us from how you love us. And how that love was shown through Jesus Christ. So, thank you for that. Encourage that, that we could stand by you and not have to hide our face whenever we mess up. That you are able to figure out a way to let our mess ups make sense to us so that we are lifted up. Because I'm not strong enough to bear the shame of my own. Uh, Sins, my own screw-ups, my own things that I've done wrong that I'm ashamed of myself for, that I feel guilty for. I'm not strong enough to do that. I'm not even strong enough to admit when I'm wrong. So I need you to help me to understand that. I need you to help me to get past that. I need you to help me to believe that I could be strong, that I could do it right, that I could be loved, that I can make it. Help me to understand that I could be a husband and a father. Help me to understand that I could be a good friend and I could have a house. I can have a car. I can have a job. That I can have a full life. And that when people look at me, they look at me knowing that they can trust me. And that I am worthy of that trust. Thank you for looking after all of us, Lord. And for the, your plan that you have for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And uh, people, thank you for listening to us. And always remember, you can look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and on LinkedIn and all the other social media websites at Your New Life Ministries, LLC. And always remember, you know you got this when you let God lead the way. And thank you very much, Kenny, for sharing your testimony. And I know it has inspired everybody around the world because that was a great testimony. And in closing... Like I said before, always remember, you know you got this when you let God lead the way. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.